G'day, I'm Megan Woodward and this is Crop to Top, the Cotton Info podcast. Conversations to help you grow. Today I'm joined by someone who has more than 40 years experience in the production and processing of an extensive range of fibres, but for us, most importantly, cotton. Renee Vandersloos is the Principal Consultant at Textile Technical Services and for the past decade he's been Cotton Info's Technical Lead for Fibre Quality. G'day Renee, welcome to the Crop to Top podcast. Thank you and good morning. Now you're fresh off the road after taking part in delivering the 2023 Marketing and Fibre Quality Workshops in Gundawindi and Mugandai a few days ago, and you had some excellent patronage there, which suggests this is something growers and extended industry stakeholders are all very keen to hear more on. So we're going to have a chat today, I guess, covering those highlight key topics that you covered in the workshops for those that didn't get the chance to break away from the paddock for the day in those areas. Walk me through some of the the key topics and I guess some of the the main things that you were keen to impart on people that uh, attended the workshops earlier this week. Yeah, thanks, Megan. So, um, yeah, there were there were four presenters. Uh, so we had Angus and Stuart from CSD looking at the field level. Then it was myself just giving an overview about fibre quality. Then we had uh, John Herford from Proclass just giving an overview on classing. And then we had Pete Johnson from Left Field Solutions just giving a update and a, and a, and a background on how costing works and the risks uh, involved with marketing uh, the cotton. So, yes, we had uh, two workshops and they were both quite well attended, 30 participants in each one. Uh, it was quite lively, a lot of discussion from all the topics. So it was a well worth thing to do. And looking at the feedback uh, from both the workshops, uh, it seems that the people that uh, participated were very keen on what was presented and also mentioned that they would like to see it on an annual basis. And also quite a few people actually asked for copies of the slides, which, which is always a good thing. It shows that the subject matter was relevant and, and useful. Absolutely. And obviously from your part of your expertise uh, in regards to fibre quality, that's a big talking point at this stage of the season, not to mention the fact doubled with the fact that we had a very wet, cool start to the season last year. Talk me through some of the things that people were really keen to talk to you about and hear more about taking those things into account. Basically, uh, at the start of my presentation, I just uh, sort of highlighted the physical uh, fiber properties that is important for the spinners. In essence, there are four major physical properties which are highlighted, which is obviously fiber length, fiber strength, uh, fineness, or in in our language, uh, the micronaire the cleanliness of the fibre or the trash content. And then there were other as well, obviously colour from a physical uh, processing point of view from the spin is not important, but it is very important subsequently when uh, dyeing uh, comes into play. Then there's also things like NEPs, uh, short fibre content, uh, stickiness, and also contamination were the main aspects that we discussed. I also gave the participants a sort of overview on what the spinner's minimum requirements would be in terms of of the parameters I've just mentioned. Uh, Also highlighting that there isn't a poor quality or an inferior quality fibre. Every fibre has has a home somewhere. But in the Australian context, of course, uh, we're in the high-end market. And so our fibre gets used to produce high-end products. 
And hence, with that, there comes an expectation that our fibre quality is in a certain range. I think the major point that I tried to make was that the infield and harvesting decisions that are made play a very important role in determining the fibre and seed quality, uh, as the, the quality of the, of the gin cotton is directly related to the quality of seed cotton prior to ginning. There's always a little bit of a misconception uh, that the ginning process can improve the quality, and, and that's not always the case. I mean, the gin has three main functions. Number one is to clean the cotton. Obviously, a cotton that's hand-picked doesn't need that, that amount of cleaning as, as what we have. The most important function is obviously the removal of the lint from the seed. And the third function is to put the fiber into a bale so that can be exported to, to the spinning mills. And I show that, you know, that there's always what we call the ginning compromise. And that's a very um, important factor to remember. So the more, the more trash that's in the fiber that's been presented to the gin, the gin then has to add or put in a lot more uh, machinery. If the moisture is too high, the gins have to put in higher drying capacity. And that will uh, obviously, it will clean the cotton but the, to the detriment of the fiber length, which we will then increase the short fiber content and also the, the nap content. And that also goes together with uh, the gins maybe having to use a lot more gas. Their costs were increased. They might have to slow down. Uh, a gin doesn't like slowing down during the ginning season. If they do slow down, that means that their production is lower and that, that will then also mean that the season will be longer, so they need to have labour for longer, so there's a lot more cost involved there. So it's very important to understand that ginning compromise is there. So I think that was sort of one of the major points that I tried to bring across. Mm, absolutely. And aside from your technical expertise, you're also an executive of the Ginners Association and you represent a huge part of the supply chain. So you're well-versed in imparting this knowledge on growers throughout Australia. I guess let's take a few steps back and let's talk early doors. Let's look at low air, how it's measured, why it's an issue. Yes, it, it's an interesting thing because traditionally uh, Australia has always had what we term the, the higher micro or, or in the and when we talk high micronet, we're talking in the high end of the G5, so the 4.6 to 4.9 area. And, and that's understandable because the weight of the fibre, obviously the yield is, is more. So the breeders are, are certainly looking to breed cotton uh, that's in the high end. Lately, the last couple of years, certainly down south, we've had cold, cool climates for a couple of years. And last year, as you've mentioned, we've also had it in the other uh, growing areas there has been a lot of low mic. And as I said, the major reason for the low mic is the cool, cold conditions that we had and also the wet conditions, which has then affected the micronair. Micronair is an, is an interesting beast because it's a, it's a component of two uh, parameters, the fibre density, so the diameter uh, of, of the, of the fibre, uh, the linear density, shall we say, and then also the maturity. And so Micronair, um, the way it's uh, tested at the moment, you take a certain amount of fibre, you put it in a vacuum chamber, and then you, you push a certain amount of air pressure through the fibre. And basically what you're doing is you're measuring the resistance. The lower the, the Micronair of a fibre, it'll be more resistant because there's more fibre in the chamber, so you get a lower value. And if, there's, if the fibre is coarser, the resistance to the air is lower, so then you get a higher value. Uh, so that's how... Micronair is is measured. 
Spinners always see low mic as potentially having issues with the creation of NEPs during their processing. So that's one of the reasons why spinners don't particularly like low mic cotton. Mm. And obviously to compound that is the moisture factor, which everyone's up against at the moment. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people are up against at the moment. To take it, I guess, another step forward, what are the ramifications of of that wet, cool season last year and the moisture levels that potentially we should be aiming for or, or, or hoping for at this end of the season? Yes, I mean, as you've said, it, it was a, quite a wet uh, season, so there was a lot of rain. The issue that we have, of course, is that uh, 60% of our cotton is, is picked by contractors and contractors only get obviously get paid for the hectares that they do. And there's obviously a, a big demand on contractors to be at certain places at certain times. And so, you know, if, if the grower or the farm manager so on doesn't keep control, uh, you know, make sure that they don't harvest if the moisture is above 12%, they will do it. I mean, the new John Deere round module harvesters uh, can basically harvest 24 hours a day. It can cope with moisture cotton. So you have to be very aware about that. And so, Moisture or wet cotton, the issues there, of course, is, as I've said, that the main one of the main functions of the gin is to remove trash. And if the cotton is moist, in order to get the trash removed, you need to dry it. So if the cotton comes into the gin with a higher moisture content, the gin will have to put in a lot more gas to remove the trash. And as I've explained, they might then have to slow down. There is also the potential issues of fires within the gin. And also, if the seed is moist and it goes into the seed shed, it can get what we call hot. And uh, there have been, uh, in the past, uh, fires and seed sheds and also modules as well. The other thing, of course, is, is that it can affect the colour. About 30% of the, of the price that the growers get for their cotton is determined by the colour. If the cotton is, is a picked moist, uh, with a high moisture, that can affect the colour. Instead of being the white that we traditionally have, it can become creamy because it becomes more yellower. We can also have spotted cotton or tinged cotton. Uh, all these things can affect the discount that the grower will receive. Mm, absolutely. And that focus, and you touched there on, on trash and contamination, what are some of those main issues for Australian growers at the moment? I know you've discussed in not so long ago at the Cotton Conference and, and more recently as well around the fact that a major source for Australia with contamination is the plastic from the round modules and specifically as now we're getting more supplies into market. But as you've said before, not all wrap is the same. Talk me through some of the concerns or some of the things that growers should be aware of and, and across. Yes, no, you're right. And one of the one of the major reasons why Australia receives a premium, obviously we do have a high quality fibre but one of the major components of that is that we've seen as a contaminant-free, shall we say. And yes, you, you're right. Uh, one of the major issues that we have is that 90 to 95% of our crop is now harvested with a new John Deere round module harvesters. Just to put it in context, every round module has 23 metres of plastic. And so last season, we produced uh, 5.4 million bales, I think. So that equates to about one and a half million round modules. So if, if you extrapolate one and a half million round modules times 23 metres of plastic, that's 30 million metres of plastic, if my mass is correct. And that's a lot of plastic that we're introducing into the, into the production pipeline. If the plastic remains intact when it gets to the gin and there is no issues at the gin, then you, know, you, could, you could say that uh, 
we should be pretty well okay uh, that no plastic uh, enters the gin. But I'm sure yourself and many other people that have driven around the cotton production areas have seen torn, busted uh, modules uh, in the field. And I'm sure you've seen them in a gin yard too. And this obviously can cause potential issues. Of course, a lot of the gins have cameras in the module feeder to detect if there's any plastic wrapping around the beaters of the module feeder. And if they're vigilant enough, they'll catch it and stop it and take it out. But there is always the possibility that some plastic can go into the production pipeline. And, you know, once it's in the bale, it's very difficult because a cotton gin produces one bale of cotton every 45 seconds. So it's a very high production. And if some plastic goes in and perhaps it's it's wrapped around a beater and, and a gin doesn't spot it for an hour or so, that's 60, 70, 80 bales that potentially could be uh, contaminated. So it's a very, very big issue. Basically, the making of the module, the staging of the module, transportation of the module, offloading of the module at the gin, the removal of the plastic at the gin, all these processes need to be very well controlled. Otherwise, the, the possibility of some plastic entering a lint bale is going to happen. Absolutely. Renee, we have covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time, but we have given assurances to our listeners that we will not max out beyond 20 minutes for these discussions. And this is a highlight reel of some of the great work that Cotton Info is doing and involved in. I would love for you to highlight a resource that you have made available to growers in the past that you think might be worthy of reminding people about as we head into this end of the season. Yeah, I think uh, certainly the Australian Cotton Production Manual, which for 2023 has currently been uh, updated and revised. That handbook or booklet has been uh, made available, I think, since 2012. So I think that's a very valuable thing to have. Obviously, CSD do have their podcasts as well, which is which is important. And uh, Cotton Info on a regular basis also uh, put out their uh, e-news. Attending the Cotton Conference is another one. And also the uh, Australian Association of Cotton Scientists are actually having their research meeting this year, I think, in Toowoomba. So that's that's important as well. So there's a major number of uh, sources available. Um, the Australian Cotton Shippers Association on their website have a lot of uh, information about uh, you know the quality of the crop. Obviously, Cotton Australia is there as well. So there there is a lot of information available and, and obviously the um, research and development offices and the technical leads for all the different areas are available as well. And, and they're all noted on the Cotton Info website. So if anybody wanted to contact anybody for some information, all the details are there. Lucky you're already on the books, Renee, because you've done a very good <laughs> job there. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and we appreciate your time and we'll make sure that all of the links to those suggestions are included in the podcast notes. Renee Vandersloot, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you and I appreciate the opportunity.